I heard a story um, recently about a wealthy company owner who overheard one of his employees saying, you know what, if I had just £1,000, I would be perfectly content. Okay, if I just had £1,000, I'd be perfectly content. And uh, knowing that, that his wealth had never brought him contentment, he had never felt completely content, he thought, I'll have this, uh, give this a go. So he walked over to that employee and said, you know what, I've always wanted to meet someone who's perfectly content, so I'm going to pull out my checkbook. And he made a check out for £1,000 and gave it to his employee and gave it to her. And as he walked away, he overheard her quite bitterly say, why didn't I ask for £2,000? <laughs> and uh, isn't that just so true? Isn't that our human nature? That's kind of the way it works, isn't it? We always um, look for more. We're the same. And we often think about Oh, if only I had that thing, or if only I had this thing, then I would be really happy. And that's how the lottery works, isn't it? Because most people spend the money before they've even won it. Do you know what I mean? You've in your head, I would do this. Have you ever done that? Sat at home and thought, I would do this, or I would do that if I had that kind of money. And we think about it. However, we know that more stuff doesn't bring us happiness or contentment, just filling our lives. It might do for a moment, you know. There's nothing quite like that feeling, is there, when you go out to the shops and you come back and you've got a few bags full and you think, great, it feels good. But, you know, it wears off pretty quickly. That true contentment wears off. One psychologist who did a study on contentment, he put it this way, if people strive for a certain level of affluence, thinking it will make them happy, they find that in reaching it, they quickly become habituated to it and are at a point when they're hankering for the next level of income, property or good health. You always, even when you get something, you kind of find yourself hankering, looking for the next level quite quickly. But someone who can learn from in the Bible, who found that and discovered that true satisfaction, that true contentment in life, um, is Paul. And in the book of Philippians, he shows to us the secret of happiness and how to be content in our lives. Looking at Paul's circumstances, he certainly had nothing to be content about. While writing to the Philippians, he was probably chained to a Roman guard. Okay, He was under house arrest. He had had his freedom taken away from him. And he was an active man. He was a tent maker by trade, working with his hands, working outdoors, doing a physical job. And for him being cooped up, to have that freedom taken away would have been very hard. And to make matters worse, he was quite a controversial figure. Okay, even in the church, even among some of the believers, they were against him at this time. However, despite all of those difficulties, despite finding himself in that place and in that circumstances, he wrote these words, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. That's Philippians 4, 8. And Paul didn't write this from a lack of experience. He didn't write this kind of because he hadn't gone through anything. So it was very easy for him to say, I'll be joyful always, rejoice always. He was speaking from setbacks and knockbacks and uh, things that he'd gone through personally. He'd been through tough times. He had experienced pain, he had experienced pleasure, health, sickness, weakness, strength, highs and lows. He, Paul was a hero to many and he was a villain to some. He was, he was this character who'd been through it all. And yet he was saying, I have found what it is 
to be content. I have found what it is to rejoice always. There was this man, I read a story of a man who was very proud of his beautifully cared for lawn, okay, in his garden. Anyone like that? Anyone really carefully proud of their lawns? No, no, everyone's looking a bit guilty faces here. They're looking like, oh, my lawn's not that great. Um, But he cared for his lawn. He did everything for his lawn, you know, trimmed it, make it look beautiful. But then one year, it got overtaken by a heavy crop of dandelions, okay? There were dandelions everywhere, okay? I can see some of you going... Ooh, <laughs> dandelions. Um, this was bad, okay? And he couldn't get rid of them. He'd pulled them out. He'd poisoned them, done all sorts of things. And he just could not get rid of these dandelions. And they had disrupted his perfect lawn. And he tried and tried and tried to get rid of them, but nothing would happen. Nothing would work. So finally, he wrote to the School of Agriculture at the local university and said, what should I do to get rid of these dandelions? I want my perfect lawn back. Have you got any suggestions? And the response they wrote to him was very short, and it simply said, we suggest that you learn how to love them. That's all they said, learn to love the dandelions. And uh, sometimes I think, that's just a little story, but sometimes I think we find ourselves asking, how can I get this problem to go away? How can I get this person who irritates me so much? How can I get them out of my life? How can I change my circumstances? And sometimes God will get us out of that place and out of that problem. But sometimes God will say, I want you to learn to love them. I want you to learn to love them. So what was Paul's secret here to joy? What was the secret to his contentment? Paul found that the secret of contentment is not in what you have or the circumstances around you. It is in who you know. And the who to which I'm talking about is Jesus. It's in Jesus. That's where our contentment comes from. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, never will I leave you. I will never abandon you. And, you know, the greatest thing about the community work here at Shiloh, whether it's the food bank that people come to regularly, whether it's the clothes bank that I'm so thankful to the team um, who help do the food and the clothes, who put the food away, who sort out the clothes. There's such a great group of people who do that here at Shiloh. And the, the greatest thing about the community side is seeing lives transformed by Jesus, whether it's in the cafe um, people might not even know it, but they're meeting Jesus through meeting us. They're being transformed gradually into the likeness of Jesus. Why do we do what we do? It's not simply because we want to do good deeds. There are hundreds of charities out there who are doing great stuff. They're doing amazing stuff, far better than we do. They're, they're excellent at what they do. We work alongside some of those charities who are doing amazing things. And any other charity can offer like help, support, and, uh, and we could, we could be, just simply do that. But that's not what we want to do. We don't only want to offer people practical support, but we want to offer them hope and peace and joy and whole life transformation as they encounter Jesus. That's the difference. We want people to meet Jesus. When we see people coming to know the person of Jesus and understanding that there's a God who loves them, that actually they are noticed. Like, like the little can illustration, I did the little dog food illustration, but for many that's the reality. 
people look at what their outside looks like or their circumstances or where they live and their house and their life situation and people don't look beyond that but actually people are so beautiful inside and you hear stories and you think my goodness me I heard a story this week and I thought my goodness me the fact that you are dressed is incredible you've got out of bed what an achievement that's amazing you know we really need to see the heart of people We need to understand that people need to know that there's a God who won't abandon them, who won't let them down. It doesn't matter what their circumstances, they can find a peace and contentment in the midst of that mess and disruption and what looks like chaos. They can find a peace and a purpose and a new hope. And it's only when we have God in our lives that we can truly say, I found contentment. Doesn't matter what I have, the stuff that I have doesn't really matter. I I find contentment. No matter what happens, no one can take that from you. That's the one thing. You can lose everything. You can lose your house, your job, everyone, or your friendships, relationships, everything. But no one can take away the presence of God in your life. The presence of God is what brings our contentment. And knowing that enables us to face any situation that might come our way. And, you know, maybe we'll have the greatest and the hardest challenge to face. Maybe there will be really difficult times ahead, you know, where things are really tough. Or maybe you'll be in a season of blessing where you're like, I can't believe all this blessing is just pouring down on me, you know, and it's just amazing. And people will even look and say, wow, God's really blessing your life. Let's be thankful for that. Well, you, there's two ways we can, we can experience things we can experience in life. But through it all, we can keep balanced, We can balance life then when we have Jesus in our life because we know that actually everything we have comes from God. He's our provider. And that's why we say thank you because we recognize that all good things, actually everything that we have comes from a relationship with God, comes from God. Happiness and contentment does not come from stuff. It comes from a relationship with Jesus. You know, we take these things out. We give these things out. They're practical support and it makes a difference in a family's life. But it's a key to talking about Jesus. It's a key to talking about Jesus. Contentment is not the state of your bank balance. Okay, if you think, oh, I'm looking at that and oh my goodness, it's overdrawn again. You know, it's not the state of our bank balance. It's the state of our hearts. It's the state of our hearts. Contentment is found in making the most of the least. And that's what Paul was saying here. So despite what our circumstances Despite what's going on around us, if we know Jesus, then we can know that contentment ourselves and we can also offer it to those around us. We can offer joy and contentment in the most difficult of trials. You know, that can be whether we're taking food out, whether we're giving out clothes, that can be whether we're chatting to someone in the cafe, it can be whether we're in the office, whether we're in our school workplace, wherever we are, we can offer that same sense of contentment and rejoicing through difficulty with other people in our community. True happiness is found in a relationship with Jesus and we have that opportunity to share that with our community around us and that is so exciting and that's why we're so grateful to you all for your supplies here, of food, of clothes, for the financial gifts that you give 
because it makes a real difference. And we're seeing lives transformed. You know, we are seeing lives transformed. People might not necessarily be here on a Sunday, but that's our vision, isn't it? That's what it's about. I was praying into this morning. There are so many people who are connected here who call this their church, who call this their family. You might never see them here, but this is the pla- their place. And they know Jesus and they found Jesus. And it's an exciting journey.